Dear friends, this is a very special episode to me, and I will tell you why. So, in this episode, I get to talk to the amazing songwriter Terra Naomi, and I have a bit of a personal history with her. When I was around 15, 16 years old, I picked up a guitar and started to write my own songs. When I first discovered music, I naturally started to listen to a lot of bands and male songwriters. I didn't really care, but the more that I started to write songs on my own, I realized that I was trying to find a girl, a woman who was doing something that I could follow. I wanted to sort of walk in someone's footsteps. There were three songwriters, female songwriters that I found that really inspired me and that showed me that you can have a really strong voice, be a great songwriter and just do your own thing. The first one was Annie DeFranco. The second one was Brandy Carlyle. And the third one was Tara Naomi. So it's so amazing that I now get to talk to her. I really hope you enjoy the episode and here it is. My conversation with Tara Naomi. Let's go. So Tara Naomi, welcome to my podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I have to start asking, do you say Tara Naomi in America? Yes. For some reason say Tara as in it's like Italian. Italian, Terra Naomi. <laughs> That's how they say it in Italy, yes. It is, right? Okay. Terra yes. Naomi. I'll jump straight in. So just shortly in a few sentences, who are you and what do you do? Oh my goodness. A few sentences of who am I? <laughs> um, I am... Uh, God, I never thought about how hard it is to actually answer that. Because I mean, like the standard answer is like, I'm a singer and a songwriter. And it's like, I don't really identify like that anymore. I mean, I am though, you know, I am those things. But um, I think like my entire identity used to be wrapped up in what I did um, for work and, um, and who I am like artistically and creatively. And um, I don't, when I go to say that now, it's like, I don't, I mean, yes, those things are true, but I don't know. I don't, I don't feel like they answer that question accurately or adequately, if you know what I mean. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I live in Los Angeles. I write songs. I sing, I compose, you know, instrumental music for film and television. I have a wonderful husband, um, and a lot of plants and, um, that's kind of those, you know, and that's like the focus right now, I suppose. That's beautiful. That's one thing that I really look up to uh, with you, that you have always been evolving your own career so much. You've always found new things to do. It's all within music, but you have found different ways to to just use your talent. And I think it's so easy to just stick to this thing. I'm going to be a pop artist and nothing else. Mm-hmm. But you have found mm-hmm. so many different things to use to use your music. Can you Can you speak a little bit about all the different projects you have? Uh, going on and done I mean that's all out of necessity you know like the artistic path I think a lot of us go into it and we think you know this is what we want um this is what I want I want to write songs and I want to perform them on big stages around the world for the rest of my life and that's all I want to do and I want it to continue to get more and more and more and more successful as the years go on you know and I want to dictate every single uh detail of my 
you know, life and career and experience and I know exactly how I want it to be. And then, you know, very rarely does that happen. And so it's like thing, other things happen and it happens in different ways, but, it, but things rarely happen the way we think we want them to when we start out to make them happen, you know? Um, and so I think for me, it's just been kind of a, I've had to grow as an artist and as a person in so many different ways, just really out of necessity. Um, because things didn't go the way I thought I wanted them to go. And so then something else happened and I'm like, Oh, well that's cool. I'm going to check that out. And then something else happened and it's like, Oh, and I think like that's where satisfaction comes from also on the creative path, because if we all stuck to only what we thought we wanted when we started out on it, like that's my 14 year old or 15 year old brain telling me what I think I know about the world, you know, and what I think I know, like when I was, a teenager and I used to think about being an artist and, and performing and singing and whatever. I remember having the thought, like I would rather die than not get to do this. <laughs> like I literally, I really had that thought. Like I remember, um, sitting with a girlfriend of mine at the time and she was also a singer and we were like, well, what are you going to do if by the time you're, you know, 25, you don't, you haven't done this, this and this. And it's like, well, I just would rather die. You know? And it was like, that's a teenage brain saying yeah. that stuff. So, um, so then like, you know, as I've kind of evolved in just as the years have gone on, I'm like, oh, there's, there are other things that make me happy in ways that I wouldn't have, um, known before. Like I do love performing, but I also really love, uh, sitting at my computer and not talking to anybody for like two days straight and just writing music and not like you know, writing piano, composing piano music and working with orchestral arrangements and like doing these things that are really introverted because I'm an introvert and I love performing, but, but my personality is I'm really an introvert. And so like, I never knew I, I never gave myself permission when I was younger to like sit around and do stuff like that. Everything had to be geared only towards this one thing. So now it's like, there's the orchestral music and there's, um, I'm writing English the English adaptation of lyrics for a Spanish musical that's going to open on Broadway, hopefully next year. Um, and like just all these things that I never, you know, I'm, I'm writing, starting to write pop songs for other people. Like I'm doing these things that I always thought were like, well, composing, I never even thought of as an option, even though I, I did go to conservatory and I said, and I was a classical instrumentalist, but I never thought about like composing for film and television. It was just like, certain doors closed and then other doors opened and that's like the total cliche, but that just seems to be a cliche because it's the truth, you know? Yeah, for sure. And so, yeah. And I think all these other projects are just things that I said yes to because I was open to doing something that wasn't exactly what I thought I wanted to do. Um, and they've led, you know, they've led to really interesting and cool and fun and, and, uh, um, really fulfilling, directions you know yeah yeah I I have found that when you think that something is going wrong like your plans didn't work out actually you're being redirected to to a maybe better path even sometimes but you can't see that until after after a while you see that everything actually worked out as it was supposed to to be exactly I think if we go way back uh before any of this happened what made you pick up uh, an instrument in the first place? What made you uh, turn to music when you were little? Uh, it wasn't really a conscious decision. 
for me, it was just something like my parents, I, I started singing when I was a baby, like before I was a year old, I was singing and um, yeah, I just, I was weird, strange little kid. <laughs> you know, it was like, I would sing these weird melodies and my mom thought it was really strange, but, um, and everybody else did too, like to see this like very, very small baby um, singing in a way. Um, and uh, so then I think they just realized, okay, she's really musical. And then, so as soon as I was, you know, four, I started taking piano lessons. And, and even before then there were always, there was a piano in our house and a piano at my grandparents' house. And I would just sit on the piano bench and play the keys, you know, play different. I wasn't, it wasn't like I was Mozart. I wasn't sitting there composing symphonies or anything, <laughs> but I, I was, you know, playing little melodies and things like that. I, I enjoyed it. So I think, um, I think that kind of encouraged my parents to, to put me in piano lessons. And then, um, that, I guess, when I was eight, I started playing French horn. Um, and I'd never, I didn't even know what a French horn was, but, um, don't, but, really, to be honest, <laughs> it's, the, it's the one that like curves around and around and then has like a big bell at the end. Sort oh. of. It's like, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a brass instrument and it's really beautiful, but like, I didn't grow up going to the symphony. I wasn't one of those kids. I wasn't like, my parents weren't really into classical music necessarily. My dad played it sometimes for like relaxing, but he wasn't, you know, they didn't know anything about it about music really. Um, but when I was at school, they, you know, they put these orchestras and bands together in, in school. Now in the U S a lot of the music programs are being cut or have already been cut years ago. But, um, fortunately for me, they were not yet cut in public schools. And so I had teachers that I, I mean, I was in choir and I was in all the plays and the musicals and whatever. And so they knew I was talented musically. And so the French horn is a really hard instrument to play. And so I was kind of tricked into playing it because it was really heavy and I had to carry it back and forth every day from school. And that was a total pain in the butt. But, um, yeah, like the teachers knew that I was sort of a perfectionist and competitive with myself. And like, so they told me this is the hardest instrument to play. And I was like, I can do it. You <laughs> That's know, That's a good thing to do. <laughs> and then, yeah. Well, yeah. And then they're like, okay, great. Here's your French horn. And it's this massive thing that I have to carry back and forth. And like, hit everybody's knees on the school bus as I'm getting on. And it's just, it was really awkward, but, um, but it was, it was good. It was, it was good training, I think, to play in an orchestra, um, and a band and yeah, it just kind of evolved from there. And when you, when you started writing, uh, your own songs, did you write them with the sort of will to perform them? Were you already like, I'm going to be a songwriter and perform these songs or did they come sort of just naturally out of wanting to create or do you remember the first song you ever wrote oh gosh um <laughs> I do remember the first song I ever wrote when I when I first started writing songs um seriously was in college and I was going to school for um for opera actually for classical singing yeah, for classical voice and I didn't fit in at all and I knew it wasn't the path I wanted to take but I came you know I grew up in this little town in upstate New York and I didn't realize I could go to school for like pop songwriting or like, I didn't even know about Berkeley. I didn't know about these things. And, um, and so I, so it was sort of like, well, if you want to be a singer, then, okay, you're going to go to a university that has a really strong music department. And, and I'd met a teacher, a professor there because I went to music, uh, summer camp. And so I, I sang in this thing, uh, this masterclass and he was like, come to Michigan when you, you know, whatever. So I, I went to study with this guy, but, um, but I also knew that classical music was not the path that was really meant for me. Um, and my friends 
were all in bands um, and didn't go to school. They were just like, they just lived in the town and, and they all were musicians and they had these bands. And my boyfriend at the time had this really cool band and um, I would kind of tag along and, and I was really into like indie music. And so I'd go to all these underground shows and I'm like, that's what I want to do, you know? Um, so, but the first song I ever wrote, I remember, um, this is so bizarre. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I guess I grew up, in my family, my dad always made up these weird little songs and not, not with the, not with the, you know, goal of performing them or anything. He would just like sing things around the house all the time, like weird songs about random things. Mm -hmm. And so I did that too a lot. And, and I still sometimes do it too. And, um, and I remember like composing this song and teaching it to my brothers, um, so that we could sing it in the car because I don't know why we were, you know, I have no idea why, but we wanted, I guess a friend of mine down the street, her mom had gotten this, like, <laughs> so embarrassing to say, she had this Volvo station wagon, and uh, and I really wanted my mom to get this Volvo station wagon, and I I mean, I don't know why, what, what like, eight-year-old is like, I want a Volvo, you know, I don't, I don't understand it, I don't pretend to, but for some reason, my brothers and I all decided that, that my mom should get this Volvo station wagon, and so I wrote this song for us to sing in the car, um, to, you know, that I, I can still hear it. I still remember it. <laughs> and it was like a song meant to convince my parents to go out and buy a Volvo. So I guess I was like an ad person before I was like, oh, a, I should have yeah. just something into like commercial jingles or yeah, something. Jingles. And did it work? No. Oh, it no. didn't work. Okay. I, maybe that's why I didn't go into it because <laughs> it was not, not effective at all. That's so. creative though. <laughs> yeah. And then I wrote one when my fourth grade teacher died. And I wrote this very depressing song on the on the piano and uh, and um, about um, what a, what a sad day it was when my teacher died. And um, I kind of remember that one. I remember the, the Volvo one was definitely catchier. I remember that one better. <laughs> but then when I when I made the decision, you know, it was definitely a decision to like I, I didn't just start writing songs like with the intention of writing them and sitting around and, and enjoying them. Like when I started writing songs, it was definitely with the intention of making that my career. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's beautiful. I love that. It, actually, that's a recurring uh, thing I hear from songwriters that most people or more songwriters they know right away, this is what I'm going to do. Like, I'm going to be a songwriter. I sort of had that experience too when I discovered some bands and I was like, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to write that songs like that. So when you when you uh, started getting into music and when you grew up and, and tried to uh, pave your path, what sort of artists inspired you and who did you look up to and who were your influences back then? Um, I think my biggest influences were just like really raw honest, um, sing like classic singer songwriters. You know, I was really into, um, Joni Mitchell and Patty Griffin. Um, I was also really into, um, like Elliot Smith and, um, um, I liked Connor Oberst a lot. Um, I also listened, I mean, I listened to a lot of kind of mainstream, like Radiohead, which was like pretty mainstream. Mm. I mean, not initially, but then, you know, like kind of mainstream alternative rock, I guess. Um, and um, I mean, like my favorite bands in in school and growing up were like Nirvana and um, Smashing Pumpkins and like just kind of like 
alternative music, you know, um, and then folk. So it was like folk music, really raw, honest lyrics, and then like really angsty, um, <laughs> dark, uh, alternative rock. Um, but I think, yeah, I think a lot of what really inc- inspired me and encouraged me to write my own stuff were the, were the more folk, um, folk singer songwriters like Patty Griffin, just a really raw, honest, um, voice and emotion. Yeah. Love Patty Griffin. So beautiful. I love her songs that are um, so timeless, you know, like they're going to be just as accurate in like a hundred years as they are now and as they were 20 years ago. That's what I like too. Mm. It's like, I like music that, I mean, I appreciate pop music too. I I appreciate it and I like it and I love writing it. Um, It's fun. It's like a fun exercise because it's very formulaic and it's just sort of like everything has a sound that, you know, is of the moment and you're sort of trying to find something that fits into that while also being one step ahead of it. So it's new Mm. and fresh, but like, isn't, but still kind of sticks to this formula of whatever is like happening right now, but like next, you know? And, um, and that's a fun exercise, but most of those songs aren't going to mean anything to anybody in five years, you know? And I, I really love, um, I really love songs that, that speak to you on so many different levels that they will always be relevant. I always say that a, a really great song, a well-written song, are the songs that you can take away all those trendy productions and it can survive on just a good story, a good vocal melody and one instrument. Then it's a good, if it can stand on its own, then it's well-written, I find. I totally agree. So um, I don't want to uh, repeat your whole story as an artist because you have <laughs> talked about that in a lot of podcasts before. So instead, for the listeners, I'm going to list, uh, list a few other podcasts if they're interested. Oh, but, great. Okay. But you do have uh, a really amazing story as, as an artist. So just super quickly for everyone, you sort of bloomed with the YouTube uh, era. You were one of the very first successful artists on YouTube. And you went through the major label route and then ended up independent super quickly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that. Yes, that's the perfect summary. <laughs> it all happened like that fast. Yeah, but <laughs> during a few years. Yeah. So uh, one thing that I'm super fascinated about with, with artists is to figure out what keeps them going. Because obviously we all have so many ups and downs and there are things that you know, nothing really goes our ways. And what is it that keeps you, like, what made you keep going when when everything just felt like, oh, everything is working against me and nothing is going my way? What was it that made you like, you know what, I'm going to find a different way and I'm going to do it in this way instead? It's such a good question because I feel like that's the one thing that most artists have in common is that will happen mm-hmm. at some point, you know? At some point in, I think, most people's careers something will happen that is not what you want to happen. Mm. You know, something will go wrong, something will, you know, and I say like wrong and, and, you know, it's not really wrong. It's just, you know, it'll feel like it's wrong. You know, something doesn't work out the way you want it to. And um, there's just, there's so many opportunities, opportunities for growth (laughs) on the career of being an artist, you know. Um, I don't know. I mean, you know, there were, there have been several times, I think, like, after that whole experience with YouTube and and my record label and publisher and all that and managers, and um, that went in such a painful direction for me that I 
for a long time, I, I didn't really, I don't know. It was like, I, I, I didn't feel like I could stop, but it wasn't, but I wasn't really feeling like I was led by anything good. Like I wasn't, I didn't feel like, okay, now I'm going to overcome this. I just kind of was so hurt by the situation that I just didn't know what to do. And so I just kind of kept going. And that's not really a good way to move forward, actually. It's like better to take a little time and kind of regroup and heal from whatever experience we've had. It's like if you, it's, it was like if you, if you break up with somebody and then you just like jump into another relationship and then you break up with that person, you jump into another relationship and you, you're, you're, you're being reactionary. Yeah. You know, you're not. You're not like going, okay, who do I want to be? This, this relationship didn't work out. What can I take from that? What can I learn? Like, how can I use it to make myself stronger? Like what, you know, what am I going to look for next time? Like what's something that I can look for, like a warning sign that I might recognize from this past experience that might help me avoid common, you know, the same pitfalls in the next relationship. Or there's like, you know, that, that's sort of like the healthy way. And the, the unhealthy way is like, this thing just fell apart. I'm just going to go out and get in another one really quickly to prove that I can. And like, you know, and, and this person was this, so I'm going to look for the opposite of this person and, and I'm going to find somebody that's like that. And like, you know, and then, and you just kind of like, kind of like flailing out there without a real, real intention, just kind of reacting to the pain, you know? And that's sort of what I did for a while career wise. Um, I didn't know. I, it wasn't like I had this, you know, strong, feeling of like, I'm going to succeed and I'm going to keep going. And I, you know, I just didn't know what to do. And so I kind of just fell into like another, like new, different manager experiences and different recording situations and different publisher situations. And like, none of it was right. And, you know, and I just kind of kept bouncing, um, from one bad situation to another, Mm. um, until finally, you know, I was like, okay, I need to really stop. And like, this is not working. I'm going from one person to the next person to the next, you know, the next situation to the next publisher to the next this and nothing's what I want it to be. And I don't have a plan and I don't feel like I have a good team around me and I'm making decisions based on pain, you know, instead of like based on, you know, and I think so then I, you know, then I really slowed down um, a few years ago and was just like, okay, stop. What do you want to do? Why do you want to do it? Do you want to do this? You know, do you want to be a professional musician or do you just want to like not do this anymore? And like, I don't know. Honestly, I just don't know what kept me in it. I think I stepped away for a little while and like actually asked myself the question, honestly, like, do you want to do this? And then the answer I got back was yes. Um, I don't know. Like, I wish I had I wish I could say like, oh, I had this strong sense of faith that like this, this was my path and everything was going to work out. But I, I didn't really feel that way. I mean, I know it's my path. I've always known that, but that's not really enough to like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't really know what, what kept me going. I know what made me start, but then. I think often I have this feeling sometimes that even though it gets super, super hard and every time it gets hard, I go through these phases when I'm trying to imagine other paths and other careers and I'm like letting myself dream about a completely different life. And it's really like, it's really liberating to let yourself believe that you can have a different life. But at the same time, I always know that I'm not going to quit, you know, even though you're like letting yourself fool around for a bit. It's like, no, this is, this is just who I am in some weird way. I always feel that. Do you think you'll always feel that way? 
I hope so. But I, just like you, I think that, you know, the what I thought that I was and who I wanted to be when I was 18 is obviously very different now. And I have a very different vision for, you know, in 10 years from now too. So I think that the picture always changes. But as long as you have that feeling, I think that you're supposed to do something, even though you don't really know what that is, that will always <laughs> drive you forward, I think. Yeah. Like yeah. to just search for what is it that I feel, you know? Yeah, yeah. So if you could let yourself dream like your ideal vision for yourself as an artist in 10 years, how would your life look? Mm. Um, I think about that a lot because I'm really trying to create that, you know. Um, I think I ultimately want whatever I'm doing right now to lead back to performing and touring. Um, and I mean, I think in 10 years, I would like to be in a place where I have total freedom based on the things that I've created and the success of those projects so that I can really just do whatever I want at that point. Cause I don't know who I'm going to be in 10 years, you know, but I know that I want to build stability in my life so that I don't have to like be, you know, constantly struggling like, Oh, I got had to stay on the roads 300 days a year or whatever. I won't be able to pay my bills. Like I don't want to have that kind of a career. I know that. Like, I want to have a, a career where I've built solid, like, through songwriting for other people and through um, composing. Like, I want solid career um, paths within my music career that I can do forever that don't require me to, like, be on a tour bus um, if I don't want to be. But then at the same time, I want those things to kind of all contribute to um, the greater career in the sense of giving me more options and having more... Um, having the ability to fund my own projects and just be really kind of in charge of, um, of my own career. But I also would really like to have a solid team helping me again. Um, cause I know what that feels like and it's, it's great when, when it's right. Mm. Uh, so yeah, I'd like to like, I would like to build all the things that I'm doing right now, the songwriting, the composition, musicals, um, you know, all these things that kind of fit together, but are their own individual paths, you know, in and of themselves, I would just like to, those to keep growing, um, and then together and, and my artists, you know, my performing, my artist creator just kind of all sort of feed into each other and, and help rise, like help everything kind of rise. Um, that would be really, really great. I think that's one thing that I've realized is like freedom is really important to me. Um, being able to do what I want to do when I want to do it and how I want to do it and, um, not be forced to do anything that I don't want to do because of financial reasons or, um, forced to do anything in a way that I don't want to do it because of financial reasons. Uh, that's like something I've learned is really important to me. It's just like having, having that freedom to, to be the artist I want to be, because I think also like my my sort of drive used to be a lot more outwardly focused. Um, I got a lot of my self worth and validation from outside and from what people thought of me and like whether, you know, how they accepted me or didn't or like, you know, and then like everything, when I started making a lot of money on my music, that became like my measure of how good I was. You know, if my music is making a lot of money, then I'm doing well, then it's quality, then it's good. And that's completely not true. You know, it's like the music I'm writing now is 
exponentially better. Like I, I don't even know how to explain the difference between what I first released with Island Records and what I'm writing now. It's a different world. It's a totally different universe. And um, but back then I was paid huge amounts of money to make this music that in my, you know, by my standards now I feel is really not that great. And um, and so it's like I know that now through personal experience that like financial uh, validation in a way like financial success is not at all the measure of good art. And I mean, it sounds silly to even say that it's like, of course, no, you know, no shit. Like, really? That's like, that's not a, that's, that's obvious. That's all, you know, it's, it's, but, um, I think sometimes it takes having that physical experience yourself to be like, Oh wait, I know this is true. Now it's not just something people say, (laughs) you know, it's not just like, it's not something I just, you tell yourself to make yourself feel better. It's like, it, it is actually true that, that I can't, uh, like you can't conflate, uh, financial success with quality. Sometimes it reflects the quality of your art and sometimes it doesn't. And, um, I think like, I don't know why I got off on that tangent. (laughs) Do you remember? (laughs) I feel the same way though. In the same way, I find it very easy to put myself down because I'm not making as much money as someone else on my music. And while I am struggling to pay my rent, I see other other uh, friends just blooming and buying houses. And, you know, right. and it's so easy to think that, okay, well, that means I'm not a good songwriter. Well, she obviously is. But it's so important to remember that the music in itself doesn't really have anything to do with the business. It's two separate right. things and you have to... You know, someone can be very successful with the business, but the music is still is still something else, I find. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, the thing that I've realized the most is like, wow, this, this, you know, it has to be at a certain level. And then above that, it's really about resources and luck and who you know. And if you've had, you know, obviously it has to be at a certain level, but there's a lot of people that reach that level. And then it's like, for some reason, whatever reason, some people, you know, cross paths with somebody who knows somebody who can like help get them to the next level, who wants to put a lot of money behind them, who wants to like use influence, whether it's a label or managers or somebody that knows someone at Spotify. And next thing you know, you're on a playlist. I mean, it's like all these things that, um, are completely out of our control and really don't have anything to do with the music. Um, so learning that was, it's been really, it's been really eye-opening because I just, I think also in classical music, it's much more, it's still, it's still, there, there still are all the same issues of marketing and like, why does one beautiful soprano end up, you know, singing, you know, whichever role, which with whichever, you know, opera company and the other is teaching music lessons to kids in her hometown and they're both equally talented and they're both, you know, it's like, why you can't, there's no, we don't know why this happens, but I think in classical music, it's a little bit more of a meritocracy in the sense of if you put in the work and you are really talented at a certain, at a very high level, it's easier. I think, I don't know, that might be wrong. I felt that way when I was doing classical music that like I was rewarded when I did really well and people who did really, who were really talented and worked really hard were seen, Mm. you know? Maybe it's not that way at all for people who who've gone on to make that their careers. But I feel like in in popular music, um, it's just so much more image yeah. based and marketing and like and just these things that that are really hard to uh, 
don't know. It's like they're discouraging, I think, um, in a way. they I found it to be really unpleasant. But I'm trying to find ways now to, like, be really open to the business again because obviously like I can't walk around hating the music industry and then being like, why is nobody calling me? You know, like what <laughs> it's like if I, if I live in Los Angeles and I want to be part of the Los Angeles songwriting, you know, pop songwriting scene, pitching my songs for artists and like being in on those sessions and like being, you know, attracting that to me, then I have to love it. I can't like walk around talking about why all these crappy artists are making all this money. And you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, I have to, I have to, totally let go of my judgments about that and be like, well, for whatever reason they, you know, this is, this is the way it is. And I can either walk around hating it or I can find a way to be part of it to like help really maybe better songs get out there, you know, through these people who are marketing vehicles for other people's songs, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, But it's, it's been really hard because I have all these, you know, I have a lot of, I came into it with a lot of judgment about what was good, what was worthy, what, who deserved to be rewarded by having, you know, a platform to be heard, like who, like I had so many judgments and now I don't really have that anymore. I just sort of understand that. I mean, I do have judgments, but it's like, but now I know that that's not like a, that's not the way to get what I want and b, who the hell am I to, to decide what's worthy or not? (laughs) You know, it's just silly. It's like, and it's also totally pointless. Like there's just literally no, it's a complete waste of, of time and energy. So, um, so yeah. It's a, it's a personal growth challenge to do this sometimes I find it's like, there's no better way to just learn patience and like being open to everyone's successes. And like, you just Mm -hmm. really have Mm -hmm. to learn to be a grounded human being when you do this. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. And that's the thing. I think that we learn only with experience and with, with age, you know, Mm, like, like years go by and you're like, okay, the tools that I need for this aren't the tools I thought I needed for this. They're actually like a really different set of tools. And they're really based on like my own personal development, which is interesting. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, tell us more about the writing for other people. It is the, something we can listen to already do you know something that will come out or can you not talk about it? Or? Um, there's nothing I can share yet. Mm-hmm. Um, it's that part's really new. Like okay. I, I really just started to do this and the same with the composition for film and television. So like right now I'm working, I'm writing a lot, writing all the time um, and composing all the time, but it's not anything I can share yeah. because like until, you know, it's like, so that's a little frustrating because I, I kind of miss the days when I could just go on and like post everything I'm doing all the time. Mm. But um but that's not really, that's not how it works with this other stuff. Um, and it's just such a new, I've never been open to doing anything, but being a a singer and a songwriter and writing my own songs to be performed by me. Mm. So like the shift that just happened in the last several months, really, um, where I, where I opened up to this other, um, to this other possibility, um, it's just so new. So yeah. So it's like, I don't have anything yet to, that I can publicly share, but hopefully I will soon. Yeah. You know. Super exciting. And are you yeah. also writing for yourself at the same time or not? Really? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I always know like what, which songs, the ones that are for me are really obvious, you know, mm. to me. Um, they're just, they're not, a, they're not pop songs, <laughs> but, or they're not like, they're not like modern pop songs. They're not like yeah. what you'd hear on top 30 radio. Yeah. Um, but, um, but yeah, I have an album that's unreleased right now that I recorded at Wilco's studio um, uh, in 
2017. So yeah, last year. And, um, I haven't released it yet. Um, I raised the money on Indiegogo and like the people who funded it have it. Uh, but, but yeah, and I'm, I think I'm going to start releasing like one song a month, you know, just putting it onto, you know, digital, the digital platforms. And then maybe I'll release the album at the end of that. But I just feel like, um, releasing an album doesn't make sense for me right now because my sort of fan base is not engaged in that way. And it's like, if you release an album and nobody hears it, then it's kind of a waste in my mind, like of that whole experience. And I would rather just like kind of slowly put things out bit by bit and maybe get people, um, you know, have people hear them and be like, Oh, what's next. And so that, so that someone's actually excited to, to see that I'm putting out an album versus just like putting it out there and hoping something happens. I don't think that's really smart. And I worked really hard to make the album. And, um, and so, yeah, so I have that album that is unreleased. And then I'm also writing because I want to add a few, uh, a few more songs to it so that it's also exciting for the people that funded it. So it's not just like, Oh, a year, a year from now, I released an (laughs) album that my most passionate, most loyal Mm -hmm. fans have already had, you know, Mm -hmm. Like I want it to be fun for them again too. So there's like a few new songs and um, yeah. That's typical. But that not that how you sort of have to release songs now anyway, one by one, I find. You can't just throw a record out because no one has the, the patience to listen through a whole record anymore. Like people find one song and if you're lucky, they listen to three songs, <laughs> you know, and then it's the actual fans listen to the whole record, I think. And it's also just like everything... And I don't like to deal with this part of it, but everything's marketing. So it's like, it's like if, if you, if you just give your whole album at all at once, you miss opportunities to like really focus on one song at a time and use that to kind of build some traction and have people be anticipating the next song. And, you know, it's like, um, yeah, no one has the patience and I feel like you just throw away a lot of songs that will never be heard because people don't buy albums anymore, yeah. you know, yeah. unless you're like Adele and they're waiting for the next Adele album, yeah. but you know, Taylor Swift or something, but for, you know, for artists who aren't, you know, Adele or Taylor Swift or whatever, and don't have, if you have a label supporting you, then it makes a little more sense, you know, cause they're going to be promoting the album and they're going to be, you know, marketing and everything. But for an independent artist that doesn't have a huge fan base, um, I think it's just sort of a waste of, of resources. If you just mm. put put an album out you know yeah yeah, for sure okay so I have three questions that I ask every single guest on here uh the first thing is if you could meet 18 year old you and say (laughs) anything to younger you what would you say then oh my god there's so many things I think the most (laughs) yeah it's like I, I I think I think about this a lot sometimes actually because I think like I try to learn from choices I've made and I try to see like my motivation in making those choices and how can I make better choices and stuff like that. And, uh, and I think that the main thing is I wish that I could go back and say to make myself happy that like, like all, everything that I, you know, all the looking for outside acceptance and validation and, um, approval, You know, that, that's really what I was doing for the first half of my life was just really looking for, you know, for everybody's approval to tell me that I'm okay and doing what I'm, that I'm doing well and that I'm doing the right thing and that, 
that I'm good enough and that I am worth, you know, I'm worthy of whatever I want. And like all these, I was always looking outside myself and that led to a lot of, um, a lot of unhappiness because, you know, you can never please everybody first of all. And then it's like doing things to make other people happy is like just the worst. <laughs> it like makes, you know, it leads to horrible, you know, you just make really bad decisions. And I wish that I, you know, I'd love to go back and tell myself, look, you, you decide what makes you happy and you follow that and you don't listen to anybody who tells you they know better than you about what's right for you. And you just like tap into your own authenticity and be that person. And don't be afraid to say no to opportunities that seem like they're too good to turn down. Even if they, um, even if they, you know, seem like they'll lead to something good. Like if you feel like if people are telling you, you have to do this, you have to do this because, you know, if it, if you feel, if, you know, go inside yourself and feel like, feel into that. And like, if that, if you feel like that is not what will make you happy, then just drop it. And you don't, you don't have to like, don't be afraid to say no also, because I think like a lot of my younger life was, was like, I felt like I had to say yes to everything because I didn't know when I would, you know, if I'd ever have a certain opportunity again, I didn't, didn't believe that I could do things on my own. If people told me like, you know, even like with my record label, you know, it was like, oh, well, you have to do this deal. My manager, you know, at the time you have to do this deal because you might never get another opportunity like this. And so you, you have to do it. And uh, then after you do this thing you don't want to do, you'll be able to do whatever you want. And that didn't feel true to me, but I was too afraid to say no, because I was afraid it was like coming from this place of scarcity. Like I'm ne I might never get that opportunity again. I might never, you know, so I wish that I, I mean, I would love to go back and be like, you make your own opportunities. They will, you'll have whatever, you know, don't worry about like missing out on something if it doesn't feel right. Cause if, if you go into something and it doesn't feel right, it's never going to feel, it's not going to be right. You know, and you, you can't like start on something that is flawed and make it into something right. It's like, if you know, if something doesn't feel right from the start, it's not going to somehow evolve into the perfect situation, mm, you know? Yeah. Um, it's true in like relationships as well. It's true <laughs> in like anything, you know? Um, but I think so often we, we make decisions based on fear um, and feeling like we don't know what's right for us or like, we'll never have a, this opportunity again. And like, um, yeah, trust yourself, I guess. But I guess, you know, the problem is like, it's weird because I feel like a lot of times people like when they answer that kind of question, Oh, what would you say to your younger self? And people are like, I would just tell my younger self that like everything's going to work out and everything's going to be okay. And it's like, I can't really say that because like, I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know that that's not like, I don't know. All, all I know is like, I mean, everything is okay, but there's also been a lot that's been really hard and like kind of, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I feel like there are things that you just, if somebody had said all the things that I would want to say to my, to me at 18, I still wouldn't have believed them. Yeah. So they're kind of pointless. Like you have to sort of live your own life and go through your own experiences and nothing that anybody tells you, you know, is ever really going to land. I don't think, yeah. I think you kind of have to, it's all has to be experiential. And so it's like almost like a waste of, of time to try to tell somebody, but I mean, I don't know. I like to encourage people. I like to share like my own experience with people, mm -hmm. but I also know that whatever I tell somebody, like if I'm talking to a young, like a teenager, like a young songwriter or something like that. And I tell them 
like you got to trust yourself and like it's like they're going to hear me and then they're going to make their own decisions yeah. you know yeah you have to live through it to really learn yeah. the, the lessons okay and if you could recommend one single song in the whole universe that our listeners should go and listen to just the best song ever oh my gosh <laughs> oh wow oh my god that's really hard um Oh my gosh, the best song ever written. I mean, it's probably on Joni Mitchell Blue. It's probably like one of those songs. They're they're just unbelievable. Um, like a case of you. Um, like oh my god, that those songs. Um, all of the songs on that album, I think, are just like wow. Um, yeah, I guess I would just recommend Joni Mitchell. That just seems like the sort of like requisite like. Go listen to Blue. Yeah, <laughs> You'll hear, yeah. you know, like everything that you Beautiful ever need record. to hear. Yeah, for sure. Okay, and last question. If you could recommend anything to our listeners that they should go and check out, like it could be a city or a food or a movie or a hobby, just anything that you'd like to recommend. Oh, wow. Um, hmm. I guess I would recommend just doing as much as you possibly can. Like, I mean, I've been to a lot of different cities and places and I've done a lot of different things and tried different, you know, different foods and different, you know, different uh, places and different um, experiences. And I think like I wouldn't recommend any one of those as much as I would just recommend trying to have all of them, you know, like every opportunity we get, because I think we put a lot of value on like what will happen when we get to something like at some point I'll travel because I'll like reach this level, whatever that level is in your mind. And then I'll have the freedom to do this. And like, I think what I found is that there really is no time, um, that you arrive at some magical place where all of a sudden you think like, now I have the freedom and the time to do what I want to do. You kind of have to just build that in as you go, because also, you know, it's like, it doesn't, you, you might, you might get to a place where you feel more stable, like, Oh, I can afford to do this now. But then like your life is also going to be a lot busier and more hectic. Like there's more to, more to handle the more you have, you know? And so it's almost like just as much as you can, however you can go get out and, and, and see things, you know, whatever that means, like whether it's exploring like your city or your state or your country or the rest of the world, like whatever you can do, like just do it. Like whenever you have the opportunity, I think that's, That's the thing that I would, and that's probably what I would tell my younger self too, to, now that I think about it. It's like, get out and do, experience everything you can possibly experience, you know? Because you just sort of realize, like, this is it, you know? There's no, like, I, I used to spend a lot of time when I was a kid, like, thinking, well, at some point when I'm an adult, when I, you know, this will be this, you know, it's like, it just, the days just pass and time passes and, like, there's, we don't know when is, it's a, there's this book I read this really wonderful book called uh, here I am and it's by the um Jonathan um I always blank on his name it's like Saffron he wrote oh, yeah. this he, you know who I'm talking about yeah the he also wrote the illumination something yes yeah. illuminate <laughs> yes, yes everything is illuminated yeah, yeah that one exactly and so his book um here I am is really incredible and one of the, I just read it and um and I just I loved it like I I literally I read it on the way um, a flight back from Amsterdam a couple weeks ago. 
And I literally couldn't put it down. It was like, it's like a 700 page book or something. And I just couldn't stop reading it. And it's so beautiful. And one of the things in it that really resonated with me was this idea that you never know when something is the last time, like in it, it's a lot of stuff about father, about parents and children and, and, um, family dynamic. But, um, there's, there's this kind of, there's this thought that the, that one of the main characters has, which is like, he's a father and he, they're talking about, um, how you never know, like, when's the last time that you're going to read a certain book because your child then like grows up or like, you know, gets a little bit older and you didn't realize that was the last time you were ever going to read that, that particular, you know, that specific book to them. And like, when's the last time that you carry your child up the stairs and they fall asleep on your shoulder. And then next thing you know, they're walking up themselves or whatever. You know what I mean? Like you don't know when the last time is ever going to be. And that really, um, affected me because it's like, yeah, we don't, we do, we just kind of move through our days so often without really paying attention to what we're doing or like appreciating what we're doing. Um, and appreciating every moment as like, this, this could be the last time I do this, you know, this could be, and not in like a sad, like morbid way, but just sort of, um, in a way of like taking time to appreciate all these things and do as much as we can and not take any of it for granted. Mm. So that's, I think what I would recommend. That's beautiful. I'm gonna, I'm gonna read that book. Oh yeah. It's so good. (laughs) Definitely. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Um, so before I let you go, where can everyone go and connect with you, find you and uh, social medias and uh, yeah, yeah. How do you want to direct people? Um, well, I, it's funny. I, I, um, I mean, I have all the social, you know, Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and my website and all this stuff. Um, and I tried it. I, if I didn't have to do social media at all, I wouldn't. Oh, like, really? I don't. Yeah, I don't, I, you know, I just, I, I, especially after everything that's happening with Facebook, it's like, I just think it's so damn damaging. And like, so I try to only use it like as, as I try to do it just the kind of minimum that I have to do it. And then when I, now when I, um, I, I just launched a, a Patreon and so I'm like starting to get more active on that. And like, that's kind of where I want to direct people because I think that, um, I mean, it's, 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 it's a pretty cool concept and like, yeah, there's a barrier for entry as in that it costs a dollar a month minimum to support an artist. But it's like, what that does for me is it, it gives me control. Cause like I, I built up this community on Facebook, right. Over the last 10 years. And now if I want anybody to see what I post, I have to pay Facebook a lot of money to, to advertise. And if I don't pay them a lot of money, then like all of a sudden nobody sees anything. So it's like, I've spent 10 years, communicating with my community and like sharing things with them through Facebook. And then a couple of years ago, all of a sudden it was like, Oh, well you might have 35,000 people that follow you, but like a hundred people are going to see what you post unless you pay to have it promoted. And so like, as a result, I don't, I'm not that active on Facebook and I can't reach people anymore. The people that I've like the audience that I've cultivated. And so like with Patreon, I have control over what people see like I know that if I post something they don't they might not read the email but at least they're gonna it's gonna get to them and you know it's like if you've elected to to keep in touch with an artist like or a small business or whatever all these people that are being really kind of screwed over by social media right now because they've built their businesses on there and now they have you know they can't access their customer base um so yeah I really so I'm trying to like build up that community um and I'm sharing like a ton of new music all the time on there and just having a much more open dialogue. And, um, 
so I think if, if, uh, I'm going to release all my new music through Patreon moving forward. Um, so if people want to really, I think, interact more and, and get all the new music and, um, be part of like my more involved community, that's where it is. Um, and, and that is patreon.com slash Tara Naomi, right? Exactly. Yeah. 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 And that's like, that's like the, that's the, that's like the real experience. And then, I mean, yeah, like find me on social media, fine, but there's, there's like no guarantee that we'll ever be able to really connect because I, you know, like, uh, I like Instagram a lot, but it's owned by Facebook. So yeah, like, it's going to happen the same thing there, I think. Yeah. It's mm, like, it's, sure. so it's sort of like, I want to start focusing more on this Patreon thing because at least, I mean, I, I know the people who created that. I don't know them well, or but I've like at least exchanged communication with them and it's created by artists and I believe that their intentions are good. And so I don't think that they would do something. I mean, who knows? You never know. But I trust them more, you know, to, to allow us to continue to cultivate our audiences and the, 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 the communication that we have with our audience, which is really everything for an independent artist, you know? And I and I believe that that they're I don't know, I trust them. So that's yeah. Yeah, for but. sure. I love I love Patreon. Patreon has changed my whole life as an artist. So Oh really? Yeah, for sure. I've done Patreon for three, four years now, maybe even more. Um, oh, I, I was I to sign up to support you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was quite early. Right when they started, I thought it was a cool idea. And I just sort of created an account first and just like didn't really know what to do with it. And then I just decided to, to sort of go for it and just use it. And like to get that um, support financially every month is the only thing that keeps me going. Like without it, I wouldn't be able to to make more music. So... Yeah, I know I have a lot of Patreon supporters listening to this, so they're going to go, go check you up. out. Oh, good. I'm gonna go, <laughs> and I'm going to go sign up for your Patreon right now. <laughs> okay, cool. beautiful. Thank you so much for taking the time and being open, and um, I hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> it was really fun to talk to you. I'm really glad that we got to, to chat, too, because, like, obviously we have a lot of, like, cro- we have a lot of the same fans. And, um, and so people have like shared your stuff with me over the years and it's just like, I've always thought, wow, that's really great. And, and she seems really cool and I love what she's doing and she's independent and like, but you know, just the, the opportunity to actually have a conversation is, you know, it's not, it doesn't happen all the time. So I'm happy that we finally got to do this and yeah, it's nice sure. to, you know, have a, have an actual conversation with you and, yeah, um, too. yeah. Yeah. Thank yeah. you so much. I, I have to tell you this. I, I, um, uh, I moved to Berlin six years ago now. And when I moved to Berlin, I got to support my very first artist. I had never really played a big show. And that was Jay Brennan. You probably oh, know Jay Brennan. And I yeah, found, he's one of my good friends. Yeah, I found him because I found your song. And he covered oh, your song. Because I, yeah. I found you when I was probably 15, 16. And I started writing songs. And you are the one of the first sort of female songwriters that I really was like, this is cool. Like, this is something I could do. And then I found him and then I moved to Berlin and he was touring and I was like, I could support if you need a support. And it was like, it was so Uh, cool. Everything just like connected. And so it was super nice to get to talk to you tonight. It really was super inspiring. (laughs) Oh my God. That means so much to me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for letting me know. I mean, you just never know. Like you put your songs out there and you don't know who they affect or, you know, what influence they actually have. And like when you meet somebody that actually, has benefited 
personally, you know, from some, when I meet someone who's benefited from something I, that I've put out there, it's like, it just means everything to me. So it makes me feel really like, like what I'm doing is worthwhile in a way, you know, and meaningful beyond just what it does for me or whatever, you know? So it does. Yeah. You have a a big impact on people. (laughs) Oh, thank you. That's really, really (laughs) kind. Thank you. So there you have it. I hope you enjoyed it and I hope that you found some inspiration in all the wise words that Tara shared with us. Also, of course, please go and find her Patreon at patreon.com slash and just support independent music. I know, like I say in the interview, that my support on Patreon is literally what keeps me going. So if you find artists that create art and music that you can find comfort in, just help them keep creating it. That's it for this week. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you in two weeks. Love, love. a place